do 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 Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. This comes to us from Jordan Maywood. Next up, we have Jordan. He's going to tell a joke. We got an answer for Jordan Maywood. Yes, Wood May. Hello, this is Penn Gillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the Liberal Cube podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I could potentially enjoy it. Eh, I'll ring an endorsement, I guess. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Mewood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCube list. Today, my friends, is a special day, just in the sense that the last two episodes, what I did was a recorded podcast while streaming a video game while playing, obviously, said video game. And uh, what I decided I didn't want to do is do a whole bunch of those uh, without any sort of feedback, just in terms of if it's a horrible idea, if it's a, an amazing idea, uh, if it's... nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, to be honest, the third option that will happen. Uh, bitter? No. <sighs> Motherfuckers. Um... So uh, I'm going to go back to the old uh, old tried and true method of just recording a normal, quote-unquote, is this podcast ever normal, episode um, for for this one. Just because uh, I, as usual, am quite a bit ahead, uh, just in terms of recording schedule. So uh, I don't want to get, uh, you know, too far ahead doing it one way, only to learn that it is hated by all. So... In a ill-guided effort to get uh, audience participation, uh, if you listen to those two episodes, let me know how horrible they were, or were they okay, or were they good? We don't know. We don't know. Uh, okay, so I should continue on as normal here by saying the show is a journal. Where I talk about all the things my brain has consumed so that they do not just sit up there and slowly drive me insane. You may not have consumed some of the same media yourself, so I warn of that possibility. Last but least, in an idea stolen from John Gabris, I offer to you the following deal. Rate the podcast, this one, five stars in iTunes, and I will read just about anything you put in the review. Easy peasy Socrateasy. I will now push a button that will start a series of five five-minute timers like this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to review some things. Today's movie monologue sponsor is Stalactites and Stalagmites. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, uh, movie the first. If you are following along, and I have no doubt that you are, the Mrs. and I are watching all of the 
Fast and Furious movies. All in the sense that there is currently, at the time of this recording, eight. But I feel like these pop up. Uh, and who knows how many of them will be down the road. We are on number six of the franchise. Fast and Furious 6. Some call it. Including the IMDb. Uh... Let me read the IMDA, it might be funny. Uh, Hobbs and Dominic and Brian, <laughs> let's talk about Brian in a second, uh, reassemble their crew to take down a team of mercenaries. Dominic unexpectedly gets convoluted, but also facing his presumed dece. Dominic? Okay, wait a second. Dominic unexpectedly, unexpectedly gets convoluted. Also facing his presumed deceased girlfriend, Letty. That does not make sense, right? Dominic unexpectedly gets convoluted. What does that mean? How does he get convoluted? Oh boy. Okay, so just on that note, this has not been my favorite of the franchise. Uh, I gave it a 3.5. The Misses also gave it a 3.5, so that's kind of strange. Uh, so far, our favorite one has been... Hers is the first one as a favorite. My favorite so far has been Fast and Furious, which is the fourth one. And a, a problem I think we have, and I haven't confirmed this with the misses, is that I thought Paul Walker died in, like, the third movie. <laughs> uh, every time we watch one of these since... Uh, the, the fourth one, sorry, the fourth one. The one after Tokyo Drift. Uh, I thought he died in that one. So every time we watch one now, I keep thinking at the end he's going to be dead. Um, so maybe that's doing something to our expectations that are making us not enjoy these as some people do? Question mark? I don't know. That's just one thought. The other thing is, uh, there's just a... a cr like, I, I love an action movie and I don't need it to make sense. But that being said, in these movies, there is a lot of shit that is just ridiculous. No one would do that in the history of human beings. Uh, no one would think things done in these would be a good idea. <laughs> it, it, it just boggles your mind sometimes. That being said, you know, 3.5 out of 5. Uh, threes are enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. Yeah. That's the sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Uh, the addition of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, uh, I'm enjoying. Uh, something that a lot of these have in common so far is one of my favorite things in these style of movies, which is the gathering of the team together to perform some sort of task. Usually it's a heist. Uh, this one is stopping bad guys, so that's kind of interesting. Um, my hopes are higher for uh, number seven and eight, so... Maybe I should lower them after watching 6? I don't know. Uh, I presume uh, 7 is where Paul Walker dies. I don't think it's 8. So, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm still fucking wrong. Okay, so moving on to movie the second. Wreck-It Ralph. This movie I have had for like close to a decade. Uh, and have been holding it in readiness to watch with a child. Uh, quite often movies, you know, they're aimed at kids. This one, for the most part, aimed at the kids. Uh, that being said, quite often movies aimed at kids also equally good for adults. This one fits that. However, uh, sometimes a 35-year-old 35, uh, 35 man watching a movie that is primarily for kids, uh, it's kind of weird, I guess. 
Who cares, though? Was my theory. Uh, my theory, despite the fact that I held on to this movie for like a decade. Well, it came out in 2012. Okay, so I guess not that long. I, I think I've had this like since 2012 and just hadn't pulled the trigger. And, and you know what? The day rolled around and I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to watch Wreck-It Ralph. I've, I've wanted to see this. I don't have any kids uh, around that can watch this with me. Let's do it. And boy, howdy, was it good. I, I knew it was good. I knew it would be stuff up my alley. The little nods to video games past. Uh, the the cast of uh, Sarah Silverman and John C. Riley, amazing right there. The, the, the cast in general, a lot of, uh, a lot of big names. Um, man, I'm just looking. Jack McBrayer, Jane Lynch, Alan Tudyk, Mindy Kaling, Joe Latrugula, Ed O'Neill, just to name a few. Ah, uh, shit. You know what? I wanted to stick to the timer today, but I'm obviously not going to do that uh, because we still have two more movies, so I'll do the rest quickish. Uh, Wreck-It Ralph, highly recommend. Uh, I don't know if I can give it a 5 out of 5, but it's goddamn close. So uh, we'll give it a 5 out of 5. Hey, why not? Loved it. Loved it. Uh, next one is Cave. From 2016, a group of former military elites set out to explore an uncharted abyss, not knowing their worst nightmare is waiting for them deep beneath the ground. Uh, this movie is probably one of the most poorly dubbed uh, movies I've seen in a very, very long time. We're, we're, we're talking like uh, 70s kung fu movie bad dubbing. Uh, the, the people are Norwegian, uh, uh, I don't know, Swiss, Swedish, somewhere out that way. I'll, I'll tell you some of the names of the actors. We've got, uh, Heidi. Oh, come on. That's a little too on the nose there. Uh, Mads Skogard Peterson. There's things going on in Skogard that I, I can't even explain. There's, there's dashes, there's O's above A's. Benjamin Helstad, Ingar Helgi Gimli, come on, people. Uh, so, despite that fact, uh, there was some enjoyment in this movie. Rating, uh, I'll go three, just for the reason that any movie that sort of uh, takes place deep underground, where it's sort of that claustrophobic feel, you're going to get some, um, oh, I just see, they're from Norway. So, Norwegian. Uh, you're going to get some uh, excitement out of that fact alone. Uh, I'm not a claustrophobic person. Uh, more heights bug me a million times worse than claustrophobic. Like, I, I don't even have uh, uh, claustrophobia at all. Like, uh, I, I, I like tight spaces in, in some regards. Like, to be snug as a bug in a rug, if you will. Uh, so that doesn't bug me. But, that being said, uh, these type of stuck-in-cave movies... Uh, even they can get me. So I imagine if you're claustrophobic, watching these types of movies would be pretty, uh, pretty crazy, pretty ballsy, and uh, good for you. Uh, last but not least, uh, this is another one that's been on my radar for uh, a long time, just because it's on Netflix. It's called "I'll Sleep When I'm Dead," and a, a documentary, uh, Netflix created documentary that I feel like I always saw. It was always like you turn on Netflix and you would see this being like, oh, do you want to watch this? Do you want to watch this? Do you want to watch this? Yes, fine. Fuck. Uh, it was good. Uh, it's not a... 
this has come up from time to time. Uh, it's not a subject that necessarily interests me. Uh, it's about a uh, Steve Aoki. Is that his name? Justin Sleeping at Death. Yeah, Steve Aoki. He's like a... Well, I, I guess he does lots of things, but... He's like a DJ guy, one of those folk. Um, yeah. And what comes up often on this, specifically with regards to documentaries, obviously, is the fact that just because I don't necessarily have an interest in DJing and the world of DJs and stuff like that, uh, doesn't mean that a documentary about it can't be enjoyed. Uh, and this very much falls into that category. Uh, very, uh, It was very interesting. He's an interesting dude. What I didn't realize is his sister, uh, you will recognize actually from some of the Fast and Furious movies, uh, from Sin City. Uh, her last name's Aoki. I forget her first name. Uh, yeah, I, I like her. I've, I've always liked her in anything I've seen her in. So uh, that was a sort of a surprise when she made an appearance in this. Uh, I'll sleep when, I, when I'm dead. I'll give a solid, uh, very solid four to five. Okay? Okay, we did it. Today's television talk sponsor is K-Less Shoes. Thank you for that sponsorship. I have realized that the television talk uh, theme very much making sense today because we are talking Star Trek Discovery Episode 1 and 2. Folks, there's a new Star Trek on television, sort of. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you're unfamiliar with Star Trek Discovery, uh, it's a Star Trek show, there's no denying that. It's on CBS All Access, which is a fucking stupid name because the access um, to CBS All Access is a lot less than it would be to just CBS. So that bugs me. Uh, I got to say, living in uh, Canada... Uh, being able to watch this is, let's just say, tricky. Wink. Uh, so uh, you keep that in mind <laughs> when you use the word all access to describe how I can get this. So uh, none of that really matters in terms of talking of the show itself, which I really, really liked. Um, I've never met anything Star Trek I have hated uh, I've never met anything Star Trek I have disliked, really. Like, the uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture, uh, it's bad. I've watched it probably ten times. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's really not good. This is better than that. Uh, like, uh, it's just my love of all things Star Trek is going to taint this uh, as a review to anyone who wants an unbiased review of it. Just period, full stop. And and not only that, uh, I'm different uh, in a love of a sci-fi. This is probably more prevalent with Star Wars stuff in that uh, die very, very super, super diehard Star Wars fans out there. Some of the most diehard super uh, Star Wars fans out there that you can ever think of hate some of the movies. Hate, specifically, I guess, the uh, the prequels. Um, so, 
there doesn't ex- that can exist with Star Trek where Star Trek people hate certain things about certain Star Treks. Um, but uh, I am definitely not one of them. I, I like everything, just period. Uh, makes me a poor reviewer of things, potentially. Sure, I, I could say that with a uh, with a sort of grain of salt. Uh, but I say that a lot in general on this podcast. I talk about things that I like. Uh, I don't typically watch movies that uh, I think I will hate, and I quite often don't hate movies. Uh, so you know, shut up. Uh, people's problems with this seem to come from uh, the, the canon of Star Trek and how this can mess with it a little bit. And I always have a, a lot of leeway with that. Like, uh, the main thing obviously being how the Klingons look different in this than they did in The Next Generation. But then, keep in mind, they looked different in The Next Generation than they did in the original series. So... Uh, it's a thing that they have more time, resources, ability to have your uh, your cool aliens look fucking cool and badass. Why not uh, take advantage of it, right? Uh, and that's sort of a theme throughout the first two episodes that everything does pretty much look fucking cool and badass. Uh, I will admit that... Uh, it does lean a little more towards the look of the alternate uh, universe than uh, I would hope. That would be one knock I would put against it. Uh, I was hoping more for a Next Generation Deep Space Nine Voyager look, and this looks more like the movies. So, mm, cool in the terms of it kind of looks like a movie and not a TV show, but I was hoping for more of a look of a TV show because I, I want this to be around for a long time. Uh, and I want it to be a show that I can enjoy, not a, a movie I can enjoy, if that makes any sense, which it probably doesn't. Okay, so let's tar- talk the story. Uh, in Star Trek... In the... Yeah, we're going over time and everything, apparently. Uh, in the Star Trek universe, there's always sort of been talk of the... Uh, I guess you would call it the original war between the Klingons and the humans. And that presumably is what we're going to experience for the first time uh, through the eyes of the crew of the star of the uh, of the spaceship the uh, USS discovery uh, the cool thing about the first two episodes is they don't even take place on uh, the the ship discovery <laughs> the, the name of the show is Star Trek Discovery and in the first two episodes you don't even see the discovery I think that is a ballsy move on on the from the writers from the producers from everyone that's a ballsy thing to do uh, and for that reason I'm impressed and hopeful that they continue with these sort of uh, crazy things that maybe we've never seen in Star Trek before I, I feel like that's what it's headed towards. Uh, there's good and bad of that, uh, of doing that. Like, I love Star Trek for a reason. And if you're going to take out all things that have been consistently in all my Star Treks, I won't like it as much, presumably. Um, that being said, maybe try some new things. Uh, I'm a firm believer in actual real life to try new things as much as you can, so... Uh, for a show to do it, can I poo-poo it? Hmm? For a show to do it, can I poo-poo it? That might 
work its way into the title. For a show to do it, can I poo poo it? Question mark. <sighs> Star Trek Discovery. So far, episodes one and two, fives out of fives is... Today's book banter sponsor is a double television talk sponsor, a Mocklin Omelette. Thank you for that sponsorship. Okay, yes, you heard it here. I have not finished a book, so uh, I'm working my way through those uh, hairy turtle dove ones, so don't get your uh, uh, space panties in a knot. Uh, I decided uh, since I watched Star Trek Discovery, episode 1 and 2, and I also watched The Oroville, episodes 1 to 4, it would uh, make a sort of sense to combine everything into one uh, giant television talk blob. Right? There's logic there. I'm somewhat confident there's logic there. Alright, uh, so if you're unfamiliar with The Orville... Uh, it is a new show on Fox from Seth MacFarlane, who I like, does does good things. Uh, he's taken, and you'll see why this goes hand in hand, he's taken the sort of Star Trek show thing, uh, and then Seth MacFarlane did uh, by making it a comedy, uh, a, a, a Star Trek spoof, you might just call it. Uh, let's just say, like, right off the bat, I'll throw my writing out, because sometimes I like to do that, because, well, I'll forget, and then you can know where I'm sort of headed. Uh, I'm not 100% blown away by it in terms of comedy. The show I like, um, the laughs that are generated in my belly by the show have been somewhat minimal, so for that reason... You know what? Let's say this. If, if I'm judging this 100% on comedy as a comedy show, I'd go like a like a two and a half or a three out of five. Uh, if I'm watching this just for, for sort of a cool sci-fi uh, with a strong emphasis on comedy compared to other sci-fi, then I'd go like a four out of five. Uh, I think I would rate it higher thinking of it like that. Uh, it's just like when you watch a Family Guy and there's a shit ton of laughs every second, and then when you watch this and there's maybe only a few like laugh out loud moments, uh, the, the 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 JPMs as I have referred to over the years, jokes per minute, uh, seem relatively low. Now, where this show shines is when you could take a show like Star Trek, and because you're sort of not even necessarily upping the comedy, but upping the ability to do crazy shit means that the already crazy sci-fi shit of Star Trek can be amped even further, and uh, you can have some some crazy things that you, I can guarantee, never seen in anything you've ever watched before, which, uh, that should get an extra point right there. Uh, okay, so let's uh, talk about uh, the main characters and uh, some of the episodes. So, uh, Seth MacFarlane, who, <laughs> I... I can't imagine uh, there's not people out there who like, like say negative things of his acting such as in uh, Million Ways to Die in the West I know that movie didn't go over too well I enjoyed it 
him as an actor, I, I, I feel like people poo-poo him. Huh? Huh? Uh, I, on the other hand, think he's fine. I, I think this this role perfectly... He's perfectly suited to this role. He made the show. Uh, seemingly, he made this role for himself, and he fits it admirably. Despite the fact that he's not an admiral, he's the captain of the Orville. Uh, he is playing a, a somewhat version of himself in that he's a bit of a boozer, a bit of a, a sort of a, a lackadaisical, if you will, a sort of a, a laid-back dude. Uh, his wife... Uh, slept with another, I was going to say, another man, another blue alien thing, uh, left him, and he was sort of down in the dumps, and this is his first uh, voyage into captainship after that period of depression and drinking and shit, so a uh, cool idea. Uh, so uh, his ex-wife, played by uh, Adrian Palicki? Mm -hmm. She, unfortunately, fortunately, depends on uh, if you're watching the show or him, uh, plays the first officer. Oh yeah, I've just realized, uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll say after this. Today's Game Gabin sponsor is There Isn't One. Haha, <laughs> really tricked you there. Yeah, uh, I didn't have a game. I've been streaming and playing PUBG so much lately that I haven't had a new game on the go. I'm sort of focusing a lot on uh, streaming lately, so uh, gaming of many different games has fallen by the wayside. It'll come back, uh, is my plan. It's just I want to start streaming right, and maybe we'll talk about that in a, in a further episode. Anyways, back to the show. Uh, Penny Johnson Gerald plays the Doctor on the ship. You may recognize her from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which I like. Getting a little Star Trek of the Orville crossover there. <laughs> I said to the missus that maybe they exist in the same universe? Uh, shared universes? That's fucking weird to think of. Uh, so she's good. Uh, Scott Grimes, uh, he's a Hellman, friend of, uh, best friend of Mercer. He's their a sort of comic foil, you might say. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Bordas, he's like a big Klingon, kind of looking a little bit type. Uh, second officer, uh, comes from a planet where everyone is male. That's interesting, and we'll come into play in an episode, which we might not have time to talk about. Uh, and these males lay eggs, as they do. Uh, this is an interesting uh, one. Halston Sage plays Lieutenant Alara Catan. <laughs> I don't know which of those names sounds sci-fi. Halston Stage or Alara Catan? You know what? Good competition. Uh, she plays the chief of security. Uh, it's kind of, uh, she's like very young, she's the youngest member of the crew. Uh, but she's from a planet uh, where the gravity is like super, super high. Um, so she's like crazy strong, like uh, busting down uh, a giant metal door strong, like jumping tall buildings in a, a single bound strong. So some, some cool things around that have happened. Uh, uh, Jay Lee, 
As Lieutenant John Lamar, he's the navigator. Uh, so far, they haven't, in the first four episodes, used him very much for any story stuff, really. So I guess maybe that'll happen later. Uh, and then uh, Mark Jackson. Wait, not Mark Evan Jackson, is it? Uh, his uh, I can't click on his name. Uh, so probably not. Or maybe it is. Interesting. Uh, he's the voice of Isaac, which is the uh, science and engineering thing. I say thing because he's a non-biological race, kind of like a, a data from Star Trek. Uh, he comes from a, a race of created beings who sort of look down on all uh, organic life. So interesting crew with interesting stories. So the first one is just, oh, first one directed by John Favreau. You know what? Uh, on that note, because Seth MacFarlane has worked with so many people over the years on Family Guy and has such a fucking huge wide range of uh, friends that he can seemingly call on to come on this show, there is a lot, a lot, a lot of guest stars, uh, like some super big names, I can't think of any off the top of my head, uh, that pop in from time to time, but it's, uh, it, it is very impressive. Uh, so the first episode is just uh, giving us backstory. Uh, between the captain and his ex-wife, uh, we see the ship for the first time. Uh, looks a little, like, compared to Star Trek, definitely the closest ship it looks to is Voyager. It's, it's got some Voyager-like lines. It's very sleek. Uh, it, it's cool looking, though. It's definitely a cool looking ship. Um, I wonder, because this is more comedy-leaning than any other sci-fi stuff, I wonder if they'll get into like some of the technical stuff like that's something i do love of star trek is like when they explain warp cores and how it works and and beaming and phasers and such like they have that stuff in this but i wonder if they'll get into the technical side my guess would be no oh sad uh the next episode oh, oh yeah they, they they did the classic humans in an alien zoo episode which uh it's been done you know a million times before but uh the reason it's been done a million times before is it's because it's a, a cool idea. Uh, and then uh, two other episodes. <laughs> uh, the Orville, I would recommend. Uh, I think I'll continue on. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Today's Internet's Intercore sponsor is Cashews. Item the first, the 2000th episode of Talking Nuts. Yes, they finally did it. Incredible. If you're unfamiliar with Talking Nuts, it is Chunt and Usador. Talking, you guessed it, nuts. A spin-off of the podcast The Magic Tavern... Uh, in which a, a, a dude by the name of Arnie fell through a dimensional portal at the back of a Burger King and landed in the fantastical land of Foon. Uh, so he does his own, you know, little podcast there. And then uh, Chunt and Usador sort of realize the possibility of podcasts and started one of their own in which they talk of nuts. Peanuts, although that's a legume. Hmm. wonder if they talk of the whole... I'm going to be 100% Amish here. Uh, I haven't listened to every single episode, so potentially 
Uh, they don't uh, get into the whole uh, Nat versus Legume debate. Hmm. Then again, maybe they do. <clears throat> On this, uh, this episode, we've got uh, Mr. Chauncey, perhaps voiced by Paul F. Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins on a podcast. Listen to it right there. Period. Full stop. Talking nuts. Uh, okay, so further crossovers, if that indeed was, uh, is the Vsauce Hot Ones crossover episode. What? Uh, yes. <clears throat> I wonder if they'll do a double crossover. So uh, I have spoken of Vsauce on this podcast since the very beginning of this podcast. I think uh, the, uh, the one where it was like called The Color Yellow. And, and I, I think it might have been on literally like one of the first internet intercourse Oh no, back then it was called Fra Internet Day. That's how long ago that was. Uh, he, he was definitely among the first. Uh, and recently, I have fairly uh, consistently been talking of Hot Ones. Uh, the show with uh, spicy wings and even spicier questions. That's not how he says it, but that's close. Uh, they recently combined forces and on the Vsauce channel spoke of uh, different ways... Uh, tested different ways in which you could eat spicy foods and then uh, sort of calm your tongue afterwards with different uh, things, different concoctions. Uh, so that was pretty fascinating. Uh, because uh, uh, Michael there over at Vsauce is a super sciencey dude, he took his knowledge of what happens to your tongue and your taste buds when exposed to spicy foods and created this thing with like... It had like... Uh, I think it was like yogurt and maybe it had honey. Oh, uh, I think it had like frozen yogurt maybe because the cold doesn't help. But then it also had uh, shampoo <laughs> because apparently things in shampoo help break down the capsaicin, which is what's affecting your tongue. So that was something. Uh, now my wonder is if Hot Ones is going to have uh, Michael from Vsauce over. I, I, I would presume that they would sort of share each other's company and, and do a double episode. Uh, okay, so moving on to very, very cool, uh, I know, Talking Nuts, episode 2000, pretty exciting, but equally as exciting, because the episodes are slightly longer, uh, Jordan Jesse Go just celebrated their episode 500. That's in. Incredible. Uh, for the, uh, as they repeatedly said on this episode, for a podcast that doesn't have a focus and talks about whatever the hell they want just randomly, uh, to be along, uh, to be around for five hundred episodes with fans who love them, myself, myself included, is uh, very, very heartwarming and nice. And it is nice to be nice to the nice. And these two dudes. Uh, are among the nice. Uh, Jordan Morris, uh, on innumerable, well, I could probably count them if I really wanted to, on several occasions has uh, responded uh, favorably to things I've sent him on Twitter. Well, because I'm nice to him, so he's nice to me. Sure. Hey, there you go. Uh, and I hope they continue for uh, 500 more episodes, despite the fact that uh, seemingly they don't make any money doing this podcast, which is sad because it's a it's a, it's a podcasty gem in a, in a podcasty world of podcasts. It is. Speaking of... Comedy Bang Bang, episode 511 with Zoops, Kroll, 
Duca. Listen to that as well. It's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. But. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email jordan.maywood at gmail.com. I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come. Live long and prosper.